Hi, thank you so much for listening. My name is Hannah. My pronouns are they, them, and you are once again tuned into a podcast on queer folks' favorite tunes. This is Queer Sounds. Um, I've been trying to get people on the show from France. I couldn't make it happen. I've had some contact with French-speaking Canadians, with uh, people from Congo, but, you know, it's there's always at least some type of language barrier, which the day we are going to break. Uh, I didn't feel like it would be a good idea to do an entire episode in French, so uh, thankfully, Daniela is here to help me out. Hi there. Hi. Hi, Hannah. Thank you for having me. How are you today? I'm great. How about you? Um, I'm great. I'm very excited to have you on. So, um, could, just for the record, what are your pronouns? My pronouns are she, her. Right. Um, when we, w in, in the process of trying to get someone on from France, like I had some several declines, mostly because of language issues, Why do you think that is? Because it's a common complaint about French people refusing to speak English. It's a common, <laughs> it's a stereotype. How do you experience that stereotype in real life? Uh, let's say that, yeah, French people aren't really good at English in general. But um, some of them kind of like English, like me. And I have a mixed heritage, so I'm Caribbean. I'm from the French islands of the Caribbean, so we speak at least two languages. So I can see how that could have helped me to, you know, adopt a new language. Uh, but yeah, I don't know why. We just maybe it's cultural. Well, I'm eager to find out. I mean, we could do the entire episode in French, but you know, my French is definitely not good enough for that. Um, <laughs> so. If um, there are people out there, you know, um, trying to learn French in order to break that language barrier, what would your word of advice be? I would say maybe go into, you know, these programs when you get into a, a French family and then you either do, how do you call that, uh, when you take care of kids for people. And then you learn the language with the kids. So kids have like basic French skills. So you can, you know, progress at your own pace with people that are not expecting too much from you. And then well, as time goes on, you, your French is going to get better. Or you can get a job in France and um, you will learn with your colleagues. Yeah, I would, I would, I would try to do that, those two. All right, well, um, before we're uh, actually going to dedicate ourselves to, um, to French, let's also brush up our Spanish while we're at it, because wow. first track of the day, Buena Vista Social Club. Cha-cha. <laughs> Llego 
memory you selected Buena Vista Social Club um, obviously these famous um, Cuban band why did you select this track for today um, I selected this track because when you you asked me about a song that I was nostalgic from uh, I immediately thought of Buena Vista Social, Social uh, Chan Chan because I remember when I was in uh, kindergarten, there would be a, an old radio at my nanny's and uh, she would always play this song. Like the, this song would come again and again. It was in the 90s. Um, and, and that's one of my f first memories of music. How did you uh, connect to this song? Like, was this um, in the Caribbean yourself? Was this in France already? In what social context did this song come up? I lived in the Caribbean for 19 years, so the whole beginning of my life. And then when I was 19, I moved to Paris for my studies. So yes, it was in the Caribbean. So the, the island is Guadeloupe. My island is called Guadeloupe. And we listened to a whole diversity of songs, a variety of songs. So. It goes from salsa to African music, to French music, music from Guadeloupe, Zouk. And uh, this song, well, it has African roots and still has this, this um, like a ballad. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know what would be the English for ballad. But well, just yeah. ballad, yeah. Yeah, like a ballad. Uh, so it's really calm and... They talk about um, two people love each other and they are apart. And uh, there's like a lot of um, love and nostalgia and the music itself is really slow paced. Uh, but still it's dancing. So I like it very much. What made you like this song when you first heard it in kindergarten? Good question. The rhythm. I really like really slow salsa. Um, there is, a uh, yeah, the instrument, like you can hear, it sounds like a flute, uh, and it's really close to the saxophone that I like, uh, that I started practicing. And I really like this kind of, uh, melodic instruments. 
on top of the rhythmic instrument. So um, when I ask for songs about this character, uh, this this category, uh, you sent me three options. The Wolves by Bonnie Vare was one of those other options. Um, we're not going to play today because you know we've only got limited time. But uh, what made Bonnie Vare uh, get on that shortlist? Ah, uh, wow! This song is so powerful. Uh, this song is from my um, teenage years. Uh, I remember I was really sad at that point. I, I didn't know what to do with my life. I was kind of, kind of in a troubled household. And uh, this song was really healing from me, for me. I remember looking on uh, Wanadu, it was before Google, uh, how the, the mind can affect the body. And then through my research, uh, I came across that song on uh, daily motion wow uh, <laughs> it was really blurred like really a lot of lots of pixels but the song really moved me um and it said what might have been lost don't bother me and i kept that sentence with me with uh, this idea of letting go it really helped me so i have chills now oh my god thinking about this period Wow. I really love this this song. So you just kind of happened to stumble upon this. That's like a yeah. one of the best ways to stumble upon music. Um yeah. where did your musical journey go from there because if you had just happened to stumble upon Bonnie Vera figured you might also, you know, dive in deeper, see what you might find. I found like other songs from Bonnie Vera, Holocene, um and others and I I you mean about the same artist? Well, could be the same artist. You know, I figured you might also check related artists, maybe. Matt Corby. I found Matt Corby at that moment. Um, I don't really remember other songs linked to that one, but I really had like a large uh, library of music. I used to to use the this bad app that was called LimeWire, oh where God, you could yes. download like all the viruses in the world. Uh, but still, I could find like lots of music on it. And uh, yeah, it's a really large library from jazz to rock. There's a, a band called The Calling yes. that I really love. Like, I really love this, their music. R&B music, hip-hop music. Like, it was really diverse. I so have lots of influences. When we're thinking of um, the LimeWire era, uh, mm. that seems like what? maybe 2006 around that time yeah what stage were you in uh like what 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 life phase were you in were you still were you already studying were you in high school when are we when did you go on this deeply emotional musical journey i was in secondary school 2006 yeah just before high school so uh, how did your musical taste develop from there like uh the differences between Buena Vista Social Club and Bon Iver. You know, there's quite a big space in there. How how did that change over time? Uh, I feel like it never changed. Like all of those influences I carry with me all the time in every space I enter. I am that multitude all the time. When I dance salsa, I feel 
like there could be like some rock influence in a salsa. It just depends on the instrument, on the music taste of the artist. Um, there's a song called uh, Love Me Ole. It's pretty recent and it has uh, salsa influences, but from New York, you know, the, the, the people emigrated from the Caribbean to New York like they call them the New Yorican and it's a Broadway show and they have kind of rock influence plus salsa. And I really, I really like this uh, mix of influences. Uh, so the salsa has always been with me because I'm from the Caribbean and we listen to salsa all the time. The rock and roll, well, I was a teenager and the way the calling Bon Iver translated this mess of emotion that was in me during my teenagehood, it was really soothing, really healing to have them express all of that for me and, and, and listen to them. Uh, and salsa on a regular basis, me choosing to listen to salsa on a regular basis came much later. Um, maybe I was 20, 22. 22, 23, when I discovered salsa dancing. But yeah, the musical has always resonated with me. So you discovered Buena Vista Social Club in kindergarten. You carried that with you for 20 years until yeah. you picked up, picked up salsa dancing. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. I mean, you didn't, you said you didn't change uh, personally over time when it comes to your taste, but did your listening habits change over time? Yes, they did. Um, I would listen to whatever was cool <laughs> at the beginning of my life. Uh, when I was a kid, I would listen to whatever was on the radio because there was no, you know, um, choosing music or going to, there was no YouTube, there was no Spotify, obviously. So there would be the TV, uh, MTV, uh, Europe 2, and I would just, and RG music, and I would just listen to whatever is on the TV or the radio. Uh, and mostly it would be my parents' taste because I wouldn't be allowed, you know, to turn this little thing on the radio to change the frequency. If I would do that, I would, I would be like, my parents wouldn't be happy. <laughs> so there would only be their station on the radio and I would listen to old people music, but... <laughs> That was that, that made up part of who I am. So, so I would do that. Then I would be as a teenager. I would I discovered what I do. So the internet, I got access to what I would want to listen to. Uh, so I would listen to R and B, hip hop. That would be this uh, TV uh, channel called BET, Black Entertainment TV. And that's the first uh, place where I discovered black people on TV. Uh, so it was really surprising for me. It was really a breakthrough. I had never seen that. Uh, so I would dive into R&B, hip hop. Yeah, this kind of pop music. Then in high school, um, I dived into rock music with the calling, Bon Iver. Um, and uh, when I left the island for Paris for my studies in 2013, uh, I would listen a lot of Broadway. Wow. I know that's weird, but like musical, 
my taste is so diverse. Uh, and then after that, when I picked up salsa um, in 2017, yeah, I, uh, I started listening to salsa a lot. That is all over the place. I'm impressed. Um, <laughs> so how would you describe old people music? Because, you know, we started with... <laughs> We started with Buena Vista Social Club, who recorded that album literally when they were in their 60s, 70s, 80s. Yeah. How would I describe that? Uh, well, old people music, as a kid born in the 90s, it would be my parents' music, all that my parents and my grandparents would listen to. Lots of ballad, really slow. They had full sentences told stories in a song so the beginning of the song would be the beginning of the story and and they would progress with you and then yeah it, it would be like poetry so old people music would be like old salsa um retro zouk what we call zouk retro in the caribbean um uh, begin uh sorry i use french word because i don't know the english for the these words uh yeah music that my parents and my grandparents would love Right. I think um, we should get the music back onto the show before we really move on to your salsa um, adventures. Uh, in the category Favorite Queer Artist, Out Loud featuring Kalani by Sid. Kalani, we just listened to out loud. Um, what makes Kalani stand out to you? Kalani, I discovered her quite recently. I'd say maybe two years ago. I don't know how long her career has been going on, but I discovered her. Uh, she is, well, the first young queer artist I've seen uh in the public scene, in the show business. Uh, I knew Janelle Monet from when I was a, a teenager, but I didn't even realize what drew me to her. 
uh, because I didn't know myself yet. So I would see her and think, oh, I like how this woman presents herself. She looks really powerful and she's not looking for male attention in the way she presents herself. Uh, but I couldn't articulate that. And many years after, I meet Kilani uh, and Sid, and um, I really like the way she she looks peaceful. Like she she really soothes me with her voice, her presentation. She looks really like she owns herself. Uh, she's feminine and unapologetically uh, likes women. Uh, so she's really herself, and I, I really like that. I saw an interview of her with uh, Alicia Keys uh, about their musical journey, personal journey, and she looked really grounded, really grounded. She likes meditation. She, she's, I feel like she could be a really nourishing person, and I feel that in her music. More on Alicia Keys later, um, but first... But first, I got in touch with you through your Instagram page, uh, Queer Salsa Paris. How how did that how did that happen? What 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 is Queer Salsa Paris? Let's start there. Good question, and I'm still asking myself what Queer Salsa Paris is. I I would say now that it's um, a community. It used to be online community, but it's getting more and more physical. Uh, in Paris, uh, in Europe in general, so I'm happy about it. Uh, so it started as a personal blog about me discovering uh, queer dance, queer couple dance. Um, it was in 2019, end of 2019. Uh, so I would post like videos of uh, people I discovered and that inspired me. After that, I saw that many people, it was on Instagram, many people started to follow me. So I felt like I had to, I had to brush up on my content. Uh, so I started sharing videos of people, random people, queer dancers, queer Latin dancers uh, on Instagram. Uh, and, uh, and I wrote like small messages in French of what I thought uh, about inclusive dance. So I call it inclusive dance when um, people of any gender uh, dance together independently from the gender roles that exist in uh, couple dance. So a man would be leading a woman who's following the man all the time. Uh, and in this gender bending um, demonstration of dance, uh, I would find lots of uh, inspiration, freedom. So I sh started sharing them more and more with messages underneath in French, because I know French people don't like English. <laughs> <laughs> they don't even look at it if it's written in English. So I wrote it in, in French so that French people would understand it. And why so? Because in the beginning of my journey, so I used to dance uh, salsa, bachata, kizomba uh, in a really, very heteronormative space. So I would go into school and then they would say all the girls here, all the boys here, and then we would dance together. And uh, once I started to want to uh, dance as a leader, so I call it leader and not man and follower and not woman. And if you don't attach a role to a sex, then anyone can take a role. So I took the role leader, I wanted to take it. And uh, they basically told me it's not the school policy. Uh, so I cannot do it and I have to go out, get out. I felt really uh, hurt 
I couldn't understand it. Uh, all the people in the room wouldn't do anything, uh, wouldn't say anything. So I felt really powerless. Yeah. And that Instagram page was like a way for me to find my power back. It was a way for me to find a community. So I was looking for other people because I, I thought, okay, there cannot be like only one person in the universe who wants to dance as a leader when she's a woman. So I looked for Queer Salsa, Queer Salsa Paris. I couldn't find it. I was like, how come this account doesn't exist? So I created it. I created it as my little blog. And then as I was progressing, more people was, were following me. I got the power that it could have uh, to have a platform where I could say everything I want and inspire people. And that's what I did. And now I have like more than 600 people following me uh, and uh, getting inspired, sending me videos of them, asking me where they can take classes to be that free. If I give classes, they, they ask me where they can go dance. So I can see that there was a need for that. And I thought I was alone. I really thought I was alone. And that page helped me as much as I I'm helping the people. Uh, so that's the story of Cosasa Perry. And lately, I organized a trip in Madrid with Felipe and Thiago, uh, a couple of men who dance uh, Latin dances, bachata and salsa uh, in Madrid. And I organized that trip with a group of queer people who dance salsa in Paris, salsa and bachata. And we went to Madrid and we saw what they did with uh, the dance community there. They go, they have like 400 students of what they call role rotation. So the roles I was talking about before. Mm -hmm. And they go in a party with like 20 people who do role rotations. So wow. all the heterosexual people, people who dance heteronormatively, see them and they basically free the room. They liberate everyone and everyone dances with, with everyone. So I got to help my friends from Paris experience that. And that was, oof, that was really moving to go from my little blog to that physical and emotional experience with them. I got chills still talking about it. So you don't give classes yourself, right? I don't. Is that, a, is that something you aspire uh no not really i really and, and i and i struggled with that because i thought okay people are asking for it what should i do um but i feel like i have to limit my feeling of having a not a debt but like um yeah duty to my community because i'm a part of it i feel like because there's a lot of pressure when you see that there's not a lot of what you are bringing to the table and you have to do it all by yourself. Uh, I met queer professors or people who teach in an inclusive uh, way and uh, they have lots of demand and they feel like, you know, there's a lot to do. And, and I was talking about them saying that you don't have to do it all. You're already bringing your stone to the, the edifice. So do not, feel you know too much responsibility because i feel it too and I, as i draw like hundreds of people towards me uh i draw hundreds of aspiration dreams of freedom a desire for equity so i draw all of that to myself and as a one single human being it feels like a lot 
it feels like a lot. So I try to gather people, tell them there is a party here, go together, or I can go with them. Um, you know, just to build like a safe group of people. They can even be uh, straight people. Just people are in the mindset of we use dance as a mean to express ourselves and not as a mean to play into traditional gender roles uh, that have been, you know, put upon us. So, yeah, I'm trying to, you know, not take it all on my shoulder. If a specific queer salsa Paris, you know, dancing school isn't your dream, what what is? What do you hope to achieve? Through queer salsa Paris, safety. That's it safety i want that experience that i had and i had did multiple times where they told me just do your woman's work role and then turn around and then i had to you know basically let go of the woman i was holding get into in line with all the other women and wait for a man to come and it was heartbreaking it was heartbreaking another time they told me what are you gonna do you're gonna then you're gonna be a man in a party. That's what you're gonna be a man. And like 20 people are looking at me, and I'm all alone. And I never want that to happen to anyone. And then it is that it has already started to change because the professors with whom uh, that happened to me now say leader and follower. Nice. Yeah. So that pain that I experienced in front of their eyes. It was, um, how can I say, eye-opening for them. Uh, so I'm sad that it was me, but I'm happy that they get to, you know, be better, basically. The, change, the school even changed what's written on their website saying women can lead as long as they are intermediate level. So they cannot be beginners like men. Men can begin leaders, but women can begin leaders. Um, only when they already know the room, woman's role. But still, it's an advancement because they would say no woman can lead. So, yeah, that safety, that's, that's my ultimate goal, that people feel safe going into places. And as I draw people, I said, to me, I think I draw them together because it, it decenters me. And I don't feel, you know, that much pressure. And still, people can go together to parties, change the mood in the party when they, they go together because they don't feel unsafe anymore. I had one of the students uh, from Paris tell me that it was very emotionally when he went to Madrid and didn't look over his shoulders for other men who would see him dancing with his um, he, his partner he always looked over his shoulder because he was afraid to get bitten up or anything in a in a dance party that's supposed to be light and i i didn't realize how much safety i was bringing by doing that so that has to be my ultimate goal i don't care about followers i don't care about business it's really i want people to feel safe when um uh when you first wanted to dance in like a leader role and people told you no I bet you also had to ask, why not? What was their reaction? That is the school's policy. Well, the first time I didn't ask, I just did it. I just, you know, switch. So there is a line of women, a line of men. I just switched. Um, and then I didn't react. I think it tells a lot about my confidence evolution 
he just took my hand, turned me around, put me in line with all the women and told me to wait for a man because there was like, it was not an even number. It was an even number with me as a leader, but it was an uneven number with me as a follower. And still he preferred that I wait for a man rather than dance with a woman. Uh, and when he told me, do your woman's role and we're gonna see later for the men's role, I just didn't speak. I was, you know, it's like the freeze reaction. I just didn't do anything and then kept on dancing as a follower. And uh, it's only two years later that I started trying to lead again after COVID. It was really a revealing per period for me because I was alone in my house and the only people I wanted to invite were women, but I couldn't dance with women because I didn't know how to lead. So yeah, it's, it's, it's really something that I didn't stand up for myself. When it happened the first time, I just couldn't say anything. And then when it happened again in uh, school, but I was, I was motivated to lead, uh, they told me that it's not the school's policy. So, yeah, and I would always be put into question either by professors, school directors of big salsa schools in Paris, or uh, students, even students, like male, cis-hetero male, uh, would come to me and tell me, hey, there is a man here. Why are you, you know, dancing with a woman? Like, serve me, I have to be served in women, <laughs> women, you know, like, it's like, is there enough women for the man? And it was, oh my God, they couldn't even see how bad this was. But yeah, so, so it was ah, really sad. And I got this bad answer from many people, not only the professors, even the students. The women would never say anything. They would just be silent and dance. So um, you must have known some of this heteronormativity was happening when you started Salsa. What, uh, what made you feel attracted in the first place? I didn't know. You just assumed you could switch roles. I didn't even know there were roles. I started salsa, like uh, I went in a party with a friend and then we started dancing. And as I didn't know how to dance, uh, some man invited me and I was like, I don't see them as a man. I see them as someone on the dance floor who invites me. So I started dancing. And then since I saw that I couldn't, you know, move properly because I didn't know anything about salsa, I went into a salsa dance school to take classes and they would say hi all the girls here all the men here and then and it's true they say girls and men not women but that's something else <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, so i would just go into my gender category and then they would say go together all the men do that all the women do that but they never tell you what you are doing they never tell you you are leading you are following they just say Women, stop thinking, feel what is, is telling you to do and do it. It's so natural, I would say, even to me, because I was raised to be a good woman to a man. So like many girls in, everywhere in the world. So when they tell you, don't think, do what he tells you to do, and every woman does the same, you do it. You don't even think twice i feel like there's a, a bigger 
social parallel to that um, with all of the misogyny and sexism going on. I'm happy to hear that you've created a uh, switch in at least the local Parisian salsa world. Let's let's just ask the most simple. Well, I'm not entirely sure if it's simple. Um, the most basic question: Like, what do you love about salsa dancing? Mm, the partnership. I love. Uh, so I dance many dances. So there's also kizomba. I dance tango, uh, bachata. But what I like about salsa is that Buena Vista social feeling of home. There is the drum, the melody with the wind instrument, and it feels like I'm at my nanny's dancing with another kid. I don't feel that salsa, like some people say, oh, couple dance, it's sensual. I don't feel any sensual feeling in it. I just feel like fun, like like a kid's game. And there's a concept of a reda. Rueda, so the a circle of people dancing together and switching partners again and again and again, and uh, I feel that little girl energy with the Caribbean feeling, uh, Caribbean swing, and uh, a warmth, a general warmth when you dance. When you dance, you smile, you touch people. So there's a lot of endorphin release. People are smiling. People are like with. It's like cardio as well. So you practice sports, so that also releases endorphin. Uh, yeah, so it's, it's a whole social, physical, emotional thing that's happening uh, while I dance salsa. And when I share a salsa with someone, it's really sharing something with someone. I'm going to go ahead and make the most cringe fucking segue because <laughs> even though salsa could awaken the feeling of a little girl having a great time. I also, um, from the stories you've been telling me, think I'm talking to a superwoman. Here's Alicia Keys. Oh, yes, I'm a super woman. 
in the category best concert experience, Alicia Keys, Superwoman. Um, what made the Alicia Keys concert uh, stand out? The one you've been to? Uh, I was with one of my best friends from uh, high school at that concert. There's just something about Alicia Keys. She is soothing. She is powerful, but not in a not in a Beyonce way. I love Beyonce, but really peaceful. Like I know myself and I own myself. And what are you gonna tell me? You know, I I like that. And she's she does uh, lots of neo soul music like r&b but it feels like neo soul so yeah soothing it's the same feeling as buena vista social but with r&b and soul music uh and it's a woman she's black she's powerful she started this um no makeup movement or rather i wear makeup whenever i want movement <laughs> Because uh, people started attacking her about that, but she does whatever she wants because she's, she's a superwoman. Uh, yeah, I like that about her power and grounding. She's grounded, grounded. Um, what was the concert like? When did you uh, when did you see her? <laughs> it was. I knew all the songs, so I remembered songs from when I discovered BET uh, channel. Uh, and I would listen to it like all the time. That's how I got to speak English that well, because <laughs> I would listen to it from morning to evening. Wow! Yeah, every time I would listen to to BET, so I, I would pick up on the words, on expressions. Yeah, pick up on that uh, from the TV, and I and then all the musics from Alicia Keys that I listened at that time, and it was in the 2000s, she sung it again. Like she did like a shout out to herself from uh, from before. And I would sing out of my lungs the music. She started playing instruments. You know, this uh, square instrument, it's a uh, way, there are lots of little squares and you type and it's, it uh, makes it sound like dubstep music. Um, uh, just like a, a, a electronic drum pad? Yeah, that. She started using that and having fun with that. Um, so it really shows that she doesn't care about being a beginner in something. She just does it. She wants to try. She tries. And she did it well. And I, I really love that. It felt like going to see a friend on a concert. Um, in the same way, uh, Alicia Keys mixes up dubstep influences with like her neo soul R and B music. You also like to mix up genres and traditional dances. Um, you mentioned um, like switching up genres by, for example, dancing tango to hip hop or uh, salsa to R and B. How do you how do you make that work? Uh, it's I just need to have the right tempo. So salsa is, um, oh, I forgot the word, terner. Um, yeah, they use uh, triplets in like the the, 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 the the cadence. Yes, is one, two, three, five, six, seven. One, two, three, five, right. six, seven. And as long as I have that, I can take that on any music that has that rhythm and then dance salsa on it. Uh and I like to mix like dance salsa on hip hop music because it always has that boom, chick, boom, chick, 
So I always find the the um, dead note. Yeah, like uh, the rest. The four and the eight. Mm-hmm. I always find it uh, in hip hop. So I can dance on the slow hip hop. I can dance salsa. Uh, in tango, I like to dance on R&B or um, French variety or ballads like Sam Smith, uh, Celine Dion. Uh, I love dancing tango on that. It feels like who I am, a mixture of genre, influences. See, the begin- you make me realize now that I really haven't changed. Like all those influences are still in my dance now. I feel like I'm saying something new, but really it's just been there all, all the time all along so yeah it feels like really freeing and i can express more than traditional tango allows me to express what's the um most surprising song that you were able to dance salsa to like all of a sudden you heard a song you started to dance salsa and were like oh my god i can't believe that works i can't remember one song (laughs) uh but like many just many hip-hop songs uh hip-hop r&b songs i would say i don't have it in mind now but i can think of it later sure is there something that you would like to um that you would like to try still within like your salsa career career wow (laughs) that's a strong word for what i'm doing um what i would like to try um making more videos because i share lots of people videos but i don't really share my own and well i was a bit afraid of um putting my face out there you know being recognizable because i got really hateful comments on queer salsa paris as well uh people would call me dirty feminist and other words and i would be scared of what would happen uh if I would meet these people, or maybe they're just cowards and they wouldn't do anything. Um, but yeah, I started, you know, not thinking about that, meeting as well um, influencers, activists from Spain also helped me think, okay, if I show myself to the people who are inspired by me, it has more power than, you know, being scared and of random people might not even you know act on on what they say so um i started sharing my videos of myself on courses of paris and i i would love to do that more to do partnership with other dancers and yeah i i would like to do that apart from the dancing itself i feel like the the heteronormativity is also something that scares a lot of people and prevents people who would like to go learn how to dance to actually do it what would you advise to someone who is interested in trying to learn um salsa but just scared go for it (laughs) um maybe don't wait for your friends to come with you because you're gonna wait a long time until they're all ready to go with you have your own experiences and you know people Some of them are mean, but I feel like most people are just conditioned to see a man and a woman together. And there's lots of words like lady styling, 
it's basically dancing solo in salsa. They call it lady styling because only women move their body freely. No, it should just be styling. Um, so people are just conditioned to learn how to teach salsa like that. So when they see me, they see any person who's just not conditioned by this or maybe breaks out of this conditioning, uh, they don't understand. It just does not make sense to them. They, they're not really trying to hurt people, uh, but they feel maybe like it could be a danger. Like what they would be scared of for me is that if I know how to lead and I know how to follow, then I'll be able to teach salsa. And they have a program where they only allowed people pay like 5,000 euros, like a, uh, a year of school or maybe several years of school uh, to learn how to lead and follow. And uh, even then, when the women are professors, they still follow a man uh, if they are in a partnership. Uh, so that condition, basically, to see heteronormativity as the norm and any woman who tries to free herself from that could be a danger. We could make a huge parallel with life. <laughs> I love dance. Yeah. The, the, I see many metaphors of life, basically. But yeah, just go. Go for it. Uh, try. Ask the teacher first. You say, I would like to do that. Uh, can I come to your class? And then go. Don't force it. Like, if they don't accept it, they don't deserve you they don't deserve your beauty they don't deserve all that you can bring to the table because now when i go into a class and i say i'm a leader they look at me weird a new class look at me a little weird and uh i start dancing and suddenly the professors cannot stop looking at me <laughs> and telling me oh you could do that you could do that see they weren't mean to start with like you they can see their holy houses crumble and they cannot comprehend. You know what I feel? If I would cut my hair, have a deeper voice, uh, and dress really large, they wouldn't see a problem with it. Right. It's sad because it's just appearances. It's so fragile. Uh, yeah. And the way I was treated, like they would look at my breast and say, and I would say, you don't even know if I'm a woman. So <laughs> how can you tell me just, uh, just, uh, dance as a woman they would look right. at my breast and then say come on shut up you're a woman Yikes. and I was, just, I was like okay this could have been even more hurtful uh mm. if i was a trans person mm. this could have been freely it was hurtful but um yeah and, and then i wrote a really fiery email that i motivated well that i wrote with a uh, jurist uh, from my family to the school, mentioning all the, the articles about inequality and what they risk if they refuse to sell me a service, because it's still a service, mm -hmm. uh, based on my uh, gender. And uh, it was heavy sanctions, uh, heavy sanctions if they would do it. So the director of the school called me and told me, uh, why are you causing us trouble? Uh, come on, Daniela. Uh, we are not discriminatory. I was like, you are. Uh, you read that email. And uh, they told us, of course you can. Uh, we're going to arrange something, but you're going to be banned from the school for a week. What? Uh, yeah, so that we arranged that 
change because it was such a change to the institution that I just followed. They could even say, all oh, the men here, and I would do it. I wouldn't tell them, change your language when you speak to me. No, I would just come. They banned me to organize the change. See how big they thought it was. And then a week after, uh, the same person told me, shut up, you're a woman, called me and told me, hi, with a really sweet voice telling me, <laughs> a man, like, um, I think it was like the dean of the school, a man who would call me and tell me, oh, of course you can come and lead. And then they welcomed me back in the school, but they would always say to the professor, she's going to lead, let her lead. And then at some point, my card, I had like 10 classes in that school, would uh, expire. So they would be, be rid of me. So, yeah, they, that's how they organize the change. You can really move people. Just go for it. It might be tough, but yeah. we're getting there. I'm impressed that uh, with all of the changes you uh you managed to get going on your in your in your salsa community i'm uh i i hope people will follow your example um before we sign off we've got one more track for you um muller by kubita what made you what 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 made you select this track for the show uh so this is a song that i dance kizomba to So Kizomba is like uh, the African tango, even though tango has African origins. But they were really uh, an influence for me, having a really feminine voice, singing to a woman. So Muyer is is a woman. Uh, it means woman. And uh, she's, she's saying woman, 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 woman in the song. And if I felt like it was really like a full circle basically the first class when they told me do your woman's role we're gonna see later for the men's role it was a kizomba class in that same school it was a kizomba class and uh i couldn't dance with a woman like they ripped her off my hand and made me wait for a man and then now i see that kizomba dance kizomba song that says mujer mujer and and i really love the rhythm and the presentation of the artist it really feels seeing a queer person taking their space really felt uh inspiring to me Awesome. Let's have a listen. Um, but first, uh, I'd like to thank you very much for coming on, Daniela. And uh, to everyone else, thank you so much for listening. If you want to support the show financially, you can do so through patreon.com slash queersounds. If you uh, want to follow us on the socials, that's at queersoundspod on Twitter, Instagram, and Tumblr. If you like the show and you want to support in any other way, you can always just go ahead and tell a friend. For now, once again, thank you very much for listening. Here's Kubita, track called Muyer. Imaginei na minha vida.